Sound of Hockey episode 142. We're calling this one the Cam Neely episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Well, Cam Neely, noted Hollywood star. Mm-hmm. Uh, had had 142 career power play goals. Mm. Wow. How about that? That's something. Pretty good. He also has a, a pretty good arm when it comes to throwing water bottles, as you might recall from. I think, was that two that's, playoffs that's ago right. or three playoffs yeah. ago? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh-huh. Good guy, that Cam yeah. Neely. All right, uh, so this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown, at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle. Uh, now, I'm sure if you only listened to the podcast last week and didn't pay attention to our Twitters at all, which is quite possible, uh, you may not know the outcome of the game that Doc Emmerich stopped by to give the whole preview for last week, which, of course, <laughs> was the GSHL Division Two Beer League Championship between John's The Brigade and Darren's Fighting Narwhals. John, do you want to tell the the good people what happened? People have been eager to know. Yeah, what happened. the the New York Yankees of beer league hockey in Seattle <laughs> won. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I was thinking uh, about it, and I, I think it's really it's more the Tampa Bay Lightning of yeah. beer league hockey because you've you've finagled the cap situation. There were at least uh, two guys on your team that I know I've seen playing for other teams, which I thought was very questionable. How are they on multiple teams at the same time in various divisions? Is that legal? Uh, it is legal. Yes. Okay. You probably you're probably thinking of two guys that played in that mini season before this season Hmm. and so they sub on other teams but i mean i i there's nothing wrong with playing on multiple teams. Hmm. I don't know. I'd like to check the it's, rule book on in, that one. Like, like the ahead. lightning, Darren. Like the lightning. It's in the rules. They're they're not doing anything outside of the rule yeah. book. Go yeah. ahead. No, Go it's, ahead. I mean it's fine. I just the game was played under protest. We we filed a, an official <laughs> was, protest huh? with the league. Really? So yeah, I haven't even heard anything. And yeah, I and mean, all I know is I have my championship mug sitting right in front of me. I actually, yeah, I might have recycled my second place shot glass last night. <laughs> You guys have buried the lead, though, because we still haven't heard the score or anything. Yeah, it was 8-2. to two. It wasn't very close. So, uh, you know, ten, Not 10, though. That's not, not 10. We did better than the predecessors that played against you before. Uh, I also will say I actually thought that, like, you guys really dominated most of the play. Like, it didn't come out of our zone much, like, in the first period. But we gave you a good fight, and after the first period, it was only it was only 2 nothing. And I thought we had a chance, and then we started turning pucks over in the second period. We were The first period, it felt like we were really being careful to just kind of chip pucks out and, and then get it deep when we'd get into the neutral zone. Uh, second period, it felt like we were trying to make tape-to-tape passes coming out of the zone, and it just wasn't working. And there were a bunch of turnovers and a bunch of goals, and then all of a sudden, it got out of control. Uh, John, I have to say, though, you're, you're group of fans that showed up to cheer for the <laughs> 9 p.m. Like when it got to be six to one and they were cheering as if they had just won the Stanley Cup, I was ready to climb into the stands and fight them. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of love that. But it was funny when I think when we got our sixth or seventh goal and they were going like, pour it on. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's <laughs> let's be good sports here. Right. We don't. But anyway, roommates of some of the players and uh, they were having a good time. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. But I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Were they chanting your name, Darren? You know how they do that? No, but I definitely <laughs> yelled back at them. Shut the f- up. It's 9 p.m. And it's beer league. And it's six to one. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
goalies are supposed to have a calm demeanor. Like, oh my gosh, their, their mental game. No. Oh yeah, Darren. Darren's always calm, especially mm-hmm. yeah. in Beyond Three. Oh, I know. We've we've heard a lot of stories about how. Calm yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> Guys, we have things to talk about, and I'm I don't want to just rehash something in the past. You know, let's okay. let's move forward here. <laughs> By rehashing things that have happened over the past week outside of Beer League. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of the GSHL, the GSHL is becoming the Kraken Hockey League. Uh, What do we know about this, John? Well, it means that you and I can say that we play in the KHL coming next year. So that's pretty cool. I mean, people might like grow suspect though. We're like, oh yeah, we play in the KHL, and they'll be like, really? Because you're not currently in Russia, and it takes a really long time to get there. So, I th- I think it'll carry more weight when we're done playing in the Kraken Hockey League. So, okay. like, we could say we played in the KHL. People don't need to know where exactly in the KHL, the but that's important. yeah. So I think so. This is really it's a long play. Yeah, for sure, yeah, okay. for sure. And you know, uh, Kraken announced kind of a rebrand of the GSHL. It's foreshadowed this with the uh, partnership like several months ago um, when they announced that. And it sounds like everything's going to be very similar to how it's been done before, with where you're not just playing at one facility. So you're going to be playing from as north as Everett and as south as Kent. There are some options further south, but that's kind of like a separate league. It sounds like we're going to be playing at the Kraken practice facility for beer league. So maybe the next time the fighting narwhals play the Tampa Bay lightning of the GSA <laughs> or the, of Seattle there beer league go. hockey, we uh-huh. can, uh, we can invite some fans out because it'd probably be a pretty good setup with the, with the bar there. And speaking of the bar, uh, we know that the team was sued by the Kraken lounge and bar, I think is the name of the establishment that previously existed. So they agreed to change their name. Uh, they announced this past week what their name was going to be. What is it going to be? Andy? It'll now be known as the 32 Bar and Grill. Bummer. So your tentacle tavern idea did not come through. I know. I know. I know. It does bum me out. I had a lot invested in that. I printed up t-shirts and flyers and everything. Flyers. Nothing. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What do you guys think of that 32 Bar and Grill name? I like that. I think that's clever. I think it's it's cooler than just cracking Bar and Grill. There's like a little bit of nuance to it. They're not you know spoon feeding it to us quite as much yeah what what franchise number was the minnesota wild darren uh they would have been well they came in at the same time as the blue jackets so i think they would have been number 29 or 30 is there a 29 or 30 bar and grill in in minnesota there's not no but there's tom reed's hockey city pub right i've been to tom reed's uh <laughs> i actually like the name 29 or 30 bar yeah. and grill. <laughs> Oh, that would be, I don't Flip know. I don't know. Flip I think the, 30, the 32 is a little bit of a reach. And I thought that was something clever that they used while they didn't have a name, but of uh, the franchise, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't care. The beer is probably going to taste the same and mm-hmm. yep. chicken wings will taste just as good. And everything will cost $32 on the menu. Or if I was at 32 cents. <laughs> hey, I have some breaking news, by the way. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do we have uh, an alert noise for that? Yeah. Uh, oh, I think we've done this before. Like, something like that. This just in. This yeah. just in. We have a review on iTunes and I completely forgot Whoa. to read it. So it's really not like breaking news. I just oh. wanted to find a way to sneak this in. I thought like just popped into the thing. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, that would be cool, right? So it it comes yeah. from, it's a five-star review. It comes from What's Crackin' Lackin', oh. which I think is supposed to sound like What's Crackalackin', but if you think about it, it's 
kind of saying like what are the kraken missing like what are they lacking oh right? yeah what's the kraken lacking so i get where you're going with this what's kraken lacking but um i just wanted to point that out to you that it actually i, th- I think you're meaning that as a positive and i think it comes across as a little bit of a negative anyway uh five stars <laughs> is good informative fun if you're looking for a podcast brave enough to use skype to record an episode in 2021 then you found it oh so- <laughs> Now, just a, a pause in the review here. I will say we've been using Zoom. One day we'll go back to Bardown Studios so we don't have to use any of these. I don't know why we haven't yet, because um, we certainly could at this point. We just haven't. We've gotten used yeah. to the new normal. But, you know, it does that thing where it, like, really mutes people when one person's talking. And certain people on this podcast, not naming names, tend to talk over each other a lot. And when they talk over each other, it mutes one person and totally messes up the audio. So then I end up just like cutting a bunch of stuff out. Skype doesn't do that as much. So I've decided mm. recently that Skype really is uh, better. It's just my my opinion for recording a podcast when you're recording it all on one side, which is how I do it. Uh, it's a little easier for that purpose. So that's why we've we've continued to use Skype or we've gone back to Skype, I should say. Uh, and that says, seriously, though, this is an excellent podcast. As a new fan of the NHL, Seattle-born, therefore no question Kraken fan, these guys do a great job of talking about the sport in general and the Kraken specifically. Also a must for those looking to hear grown men doing weird voice inflections to different bits. <laughs> Keep up the good work. All right. Thank you for that. What's cracking lacking? That's uh, that's our breaking news right there. So that's some hard hitting stuff. Wow, uh, but do amazing. leave your five star review if you haven't already. And we'll read it on the next episode. Uh, you can put it right there in the Apple podcast app or on iTunes or whatever. I guess they're the same thing. Uh, hey, speaking of Sound of Hockey, we also have a Sound of Hockey website. It's soundofhockey.com. Ever heard of it? And we've had some pretty cool <laughs> content up there this last week. Andy, you did a profile on Maddie Beneers and what he would mean to the Seattle Kraken. I thought that was pretty great. Uh, nice work on that. You. John, you did your Would You Rather post. Uh, I know we've played Would You Rather on the podcast before, but the Would You Rather post, you basically put together uh, three teams, three players each, gave a brief overview of what kind of player they were, and then you asked fans, hey, who do you want to come to the Kraken? But you didn't give them their names, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, huge response from that. Yeah, huge. Uh, very engaged community. And some of the results have been uh, pretty interesting, which uh, you published in the Weekly One-Timers. Mm-hmm. By the way, seriously, I love your Weekly One-Timers post oh, every you. week. Thank you. Definitely, when, yeah. When John and I were I mean, talking about that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's a great overview of what's going on. A great way to catch up. And I'm not just kind of pumping your tires. I'm I'm like generally really enjoy watching that, even though I'm paying attention to hockey every day. So mm-hmm. it's very good. Well, thanks. I appreciate. It. And John, I know you're also posting some information about USA Hockey player numbers this week. Sounds like things are going pretty well for USA Hockey membership. Am I correct? <laughs> uh, yeah. So the post is up on the site mm-hmm. uh, by the time you listen to this. But USA Hockey memberships were down 100,000 players this year, which wow. is a 19% decline year over year. There's obvious reasons. Pandemic, when you shut rinks down, it's pretty hard to get people to pay for a membership. Mm-hmm. So that that explains a lot of that. Washington State was one of the hardest hit from a percentage standpoint. Uh, they were down 40%, or down 4,148 players uh, year over year, uh, which is really bad because it, they've been kind of steady on their incline for years and then to lose basically 10 years of increased membership in, you know, a matter of a year is pretty devastating. Now there's some optimism in, in Washington state because 
obviously the practice facility is going to open up. That's three sheets. There was two sheets that opened in Snoqualmie and then Tacoma's adding another sheet or they've already added another sheet. And that's going to increase capacity a ton, not to mention the excitement with the Kraken. And so as a proxy, I was looking at the Nevada numbers since the Golden Knights joined the league. They've basically doubled the participation in hockey player members. So Hmm. I think Seattle Kraken will have the same impact on Washington State and probably kind of carry over into places like Idaho, Alaska, and Oregon. And so there's reason to be excited about Washington State increasing the numbers, but this is kind of a, a bummer. Uh, USA Hockey has has implied that it'll take probably about three years to recover from this as far really? as the, the numbers. Yeah, because I think hmm. some people just take it as an opportunity like, okay, well, I'm done, right? And yeah. then some of the larger declines have been in adult hockey seems to be the the largest decline um, mm-hmm. of the age categories, but also the 6U, which is kind of the future, right? Under Starting, six. Yeah. yeah. So so we'll have to ke- kind of keep an eye on this. It's not surprising, but it is a bummer. Locally here, do you think that the Kraken have had an impact yet? I mean, they haven't started playing yet. So I, I would imagine that we'll see the influence will grow in October, right? When they first start playing. Yeah. And remember, you know, they've announced some programming at the practice facility around learn mm-hmm. to play and learn to skate. And they can amplify it so much, right? Yeah. Where all these other associations have programs like that, but they don't have the reach that the crack can do. And so now sure. the crack can, can really help explode that. But to date, I don't think it's had that much impact. And they haven't been very present in participation in learn to play or try hockey for free across the region. So mm-hmm. I, I expect that to change dramatically and, and it will change this summer, I'm sure. But to date, I don't think they've had much impact on the growth of the sport locally. But that, so that'll help when they when that gets up oh, and yeah. running more. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's in their best interest that the growth comes from beyond the practice facility and beyond Seattle specifically. I mean, mm-hmm. I I think they're going to look to ways to increase growth in Spokane, Idaho, Oregon, Alaska. I think they're going to hear about opportunities to kind of grow the game in those areas based on work being done by the Seattle Kraken. And I think you really have to, like before the game can grow, I think you really have to see it played, right? To get that opinion of like, oh my gosh, hockey is so cool. I got to be a part of it. Just hearing that there's a team coming, I'm sure it gave a little bit of enthusiasm and a little bit of juice to the movement of increasing hockey and people playing hockey. You know, people wanting to like just get an understanding of it. But I just, I don't know if I really buy that like, just because you know there's a team coming, you're going to go out and try hockey now. So I think when people start to see it, especially kids, right, when people start to see it on a regular basis and they're like, oh, this is really exciting stuff. This is fun to watch. I want to be a part of this. That's when you'll really see the boost. It does suck that Washington's numbers are down 40%. But like, really, everything was completely closed for a while. All of our, I mean, you know, I I think Mm -hmm. I even was not a USA hockey member for a period because I wasn't playing. I didn't have anywhere to play. And even when things started opening up again, I wasn't comfortable just jumping right back into it, like in the peak of the pandemic. So now I'm back to playing and you see that things have clearly ramped back up. So, you know, I I hear that it's scary because the numbers have gone down, but numbers have gone down in most industries across the world. So USA (laughs) hockey is not not alone. They're not unique here. And I don't think it's permanent. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it'll take a long time to recover, but, um, it is what it is, and it's all part of this this process of having a pandemic, which is quite the fun process. 
<laughs> Let's talk about some coach hirings. There have been a couple here in the last week. So the Blue Jackets, of course, uh, we lost our good friend Torts from the Blue Jackets. He didn't pass away, but he just left the Blue Jackets. Uh, so then there's a vacancy there. Uh, the Blue Jackets essentially just promoted their assistant coach, Brad Larson, to fill that role. He's been with the Blue Jackets for seven seasons. Uh, he seems to be well-liked. He coached Previously, the AHL affiliate there for a little while, and uh, Cam Atkinson was saying really nice things about him. So we'll see. I, I always think, you know, when you can promote from within, it can have a positive impact on the team. But it also makes you wonder if it doesn't go well, why didn't they go for somebody who has a little bit more head coaching experience? But I mean, it's an interesting hire. It always, I always think when I see just a coach get hired from within, they're like, ah, probably just settled. I, you know, I, I look at it differently. I kind of appreciate that. I think they know the system. They've worked within the system. Um, they know a lot of the players because a lot of those players probably came through the system. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wish I would see more of that, to be honest. I always hate how they're like, oh, we got to go get this other guy who just got fired from, from this position. Like he's got to be better. But I also understand of if the system's not working, you kind of got to reach from outside. But I kind of like the internal hire sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it breaks up that cycle of like there's five coaches available every summer and they're the same five guys, right? Like yep. it seems like we just rehire these coaches. Like so I, I appreciate when a team goes a different route and brings in a new guy. The funny thing about it is that I think after you do something like this, right? Like let's say that three years from now, they still aren't winning. They decide that the Brad Larson experiment hasn't worked. You know, they're going to go back to like the most <laughs> yes. crusty. They're going to go back to towards 2.0, right? Like they have to go back yep. to the guy who's proven himself. They need like a Bruce Boudreaux at that point. They need a Claude Julien, right? Like that's going to be the next hire after Brad Larson. So it feels like there's this swing. And speaking of that, we may have heard the news that Gerard Gallant is being hired by the Rangers. At, make sure to credit NYP Brooksy on this one. I don't know if you Brooksy. <laughs> Brooksy. Did, did you guys notice that every tweet about it was like, okay, as as at NYP yes. Brooksy had, uh just want to make sure everybody knows here that Brooksy is the first one to break this. Cause I wonder if Brooksy like gets out there and just like cracks skulls if people don't credit him for stuff that he's broken. Well, well they should credit the people who actually report it first. So sure. that they're doing the right thing. But yeah, it was funny how everybody made sure that they had that in there. Because at some point <laughs> it's not just Brooksy like sharing the news anymore. Yes. You know, like if you've read the news everywhere, uh, like there has to be a cutoff where like, okay, you don't really have to cite Brooksy anymore because like at this yeah, point we don't have to the entire world knows that Brooksy is the one that yeah. broke it. So it's just, we new. we're to, just we, talking. We don't have to credit him. We yeah. don't have to credit well, him. But last week, I literally heard Gallant is going to New York. I don't know why this this all of a sudden, I guess it's this is when it was confirmed, but all last week I was hearing Gallant in New York mm -hmm. in the Rangers. Didn't you hear that? Am I, I like, I don't know. I heard he was interviewing with him. But I, 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 hear I, I heard it was more like, oh yeah, it Gallant's heading to the Rangers. Like almost like a done deal. Not confirmed, but like it's basically just doing the paperwork at that point. That's what it implied. I, I either heard it on a podcast or saw saw something on it, but this was like like blew up. People were like surprised by it. I'm like, what the hell? I thought we knew this already. So really but we should be crediting at NHL to Seattle. It wasn't me. I'd heard it from someone else. <laughs> okay. Okay, but really let's talk about this hiring. Uh so this is kind of the opposite end of that that sequence, right? So they previously had David Quinn. David Quinn was kind of the experiment. He was coming from college. Yep. Uh, he did a fine job, I thought. You know, he's got a young, undermanned team. I think he did what he could with them. Now we swing back the other way. So they say, okay, well, now that we've had the young guy, we need the proven guy, right, to come in and be like, okay, let's get this thing back on track. 
Uh, Gerard Gallant, who I know, Andy, you are clamoring to have him here at the Kraken. Uh, what are your thoughts I on this? I, I, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Rangers personally. Yeah, he was never my top guy for Seattle. I know a lot of people were because of what happened in Vegas, but I'm not. I'm not convinced that his track record is is that great. I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he would have been fine here. I'm not, you know, disparaging him, but the fact that people thought he's the only guy, he's the top guy, I thought was a little bit much because he hasn't been that great of a coach throughout his career. I mean, he hasn't had a lot of success. He's missed the playoffs almost as many, as many times as he's made the playoffs. And other than that first year in Vegas where they went to the final, his other teams, he was a coach, head coach in Columbus and, and uh, Florida prior. Uh, they never made it out of the first round of the playoffs. So he's only made it out of the first round of the playoffs once, and that was that first year in Vegas. Uh, and then Vegas fired him halfway through his third season. So I think people need to look a little closer at him. And, and not that he's a bad coach. I mean, he won, you know, he won championships in the queue. Uh, he won the gold medal now, but not, and I wouldn't have been like upset, but I didn't think he was the number one. We have to get this guy coach that people were making him out to be. That's interesting to me that one trip to the conference finals is not enough to, in your eyes, have a good track record because I feel like there's so many coaches that have not made it to the conference finals who are considered good coaches, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like once you get to that point once, you're like, okay, this dude's pretty legit, right? Like, I think of Elaine Vigneault as a very good coach. Elaine Vigneault has mm-hmm. never won a Stanley Cup, right? But he's, like, led his team deep in playoffs a couple of times. And so I'm like, okay, that's he really the, knows That's the difference. Doing. That's the difference to me. I mean, one time – and again, I'm not saying he's a terrible coach. He just wasn't the number one have-to-get guy for me. Mm-hmm. But he had one one good playoff round or where he got to the Stanley Cup final. And the rest of, of his career, he hasn't gotten out of the first round. Now, if, if a guy like Vigneault, who's brought two different teams to the Stanley Cup final, has had long runs, has won rounds, that to me is a little bit different of a track record. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so on Gallant, though, I mean, he's been available forever. And yes. you would think the Kraken would have acted if they really wanted him. And clearly they did not. And the rumor knock against Gallant is he's resistant to the modern analytics, what that can tell you about the game. And that led to his firing in Vegas. And so I don't know if you know, but the organization called the Seattle Kraken is heavily invested in analytics and kind of prioritizes that. Not only that, but Ron Francis coming from Carolina was also another analytics team and prioritized analytics. It's not exclusive just because you're analytics doesn't mean you don't believe in like old school coaching. It's just mm-hmm. a, a hybrid or a mix of it. And Gallant wasn't able to do that. And so I don't know why people thought Gallant was a candidate here. If he, if he wasn't hired six months ago, he wasn't going to be hired now. And so I think it shouldn't be a, a big surprise, but somehow people are surprised by it or mm-hmm. feel or like it's big news. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know what to tell you there. Uh, if they wanted him, they could have had him. Uh, who I think they do want is Rod Brindamore. Uh, he's still out there, uh, but it, you know, it's hard. It's hard to really wrap your head around him leaving Carolina. You know, I saw a tweet mm-hmm. of him like coaching his, I think, 10-year-old son's hockey tryouts in Carolina. And you start to think a little bit like, well, this guy's really, really tied to the Hurricanes organization and to that community. And you wonder if he's going to be willing to leave if they can't come to a deal on his contract. Um, And really the thing that's apparently holding it up is that he, he has a deal that he's comfortable with. But it sounds like it's his assistant coaches are not getting the deals that he thinks they deserve and he wants them to be retained. So he's almost playing hardball on their behalf right now. Which is interesting. Uh I I think I would love to see him in Seattle. It still feels like a little bit of a a long shot. If if he doesn't end up re-signing in Carolina, I feel like Seattle's probably at the top of his list. But I don't know. What have you guys heard about the Rod Brindamore situation? Just just kind of what you said, right? We keep hearing that maybe they're close, maybe they're not. It's a weird situation because... 
Like, I, I keep thinking there's no way that they're waiting for him, right? They wouldn't do that. But the fact that they've waited this long makes me think they have kind of, they are kind of waiting to see what happens there, to at least talk to him. It's hard to see that happening, but stranger things have happened. Um, like, why would Carolina let him go? He seems to be, be you know, having that, that young team on the, on the upswing. I still find it hard to believe that that's going to happen. They're either they're going to let him leave and come to Seattle and... Maybe he doesn't want to come to Seattle. You're right. I mean, he is entrenched in that community. He's been there for uh, however long now. Obviously, he'd be exciting the guy to come in here. Um, I, I still don't think it's going to happen, though. So who do you think it's going to be? Well, you know, they, they have talked to talk it twice. I know that doesn't excite everybody, but he's the only guy they've talked to twice that we know of. Um, it could be him. I don't I don't know. You know, they, they, they do things off the board. I like that Kevin Dedean guy that I wrote about a few weeks ago uh, who does who checks off a lot of the boxes for them. Uh, for what they want, um, I, I I would like him as a dark horse candidate, and I, I wouldn't hate talk it. It's just not as exciting as other coaches would have been. Mm-hmm. John, I do think Brenda Moore is uh, a potential candidate here, and I mm-hmm. think it's better than a long shot. I I would say it's fifty fifty. Hmm. Although, like, I don't even know how you measure that. But <laughs> we've been hearing about the contract, like you've been talking about for months, for mm-hmm. months. And people saying, oh, it's signed. Done deal. Done deal. Well, this thing is dragged on and on, Mm -hmm. and they're slow walking this, you know what, to get to the end of the season. Now, Carolina isn't going to let him go because he is free to go. He is He's at the end of his contract. It's not a question of like letting him go. It's just they have no choice. And we all know that the Carolina owner, Tom Dundon, has kind of been trying to cut salaries there. Not, not so much from a cost savings measure because of the uh, budget, but it's more because he thinks that people are overpaid for the jobs that they're doing. And we saw this with John Forslund last summer. Yeah, essentially not being extended and asked to take a pay cut and and all these concessions that he wasn't willing to do. And can you imagine Brenda Moore seeing that? You know, they might pay Brenda Moore very well and they might pay his staff really well, but everybody else in the organization is probably getting under the same treatment. And so there's a lot of reasons why he shouldn't stay there. And I think about that. And he's yeah. Darren, maybe you said it on the pod or before we talked is there's potential. He just he stays in Carolina and just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And isn't a coach or maybe he's an advisor somewhere. But, you know, maybe he he's like, I don't I don't need the money or whatever. I'll just stay at home if if staying in Carolina is that important. But, you know, they do have youth hockey here in Seattle. I'm just saying. <laughs> so I don't know. The numbers are down about 40 percent, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need we need to increase that. So, <laughs> yeah. so let's bring bring a couple over. So anyway, I I think it's a decent chance. And all along, Ron Francis has been saying hey, we need to wait to see who's available at the end of the season. Yeah, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. need to wait to see who's available. He's said that consistently over the last yep. six months. And the timing is lining up. And it's funny, like the early exit with Carolina probably increases the likelihood of this happening. Can you imagine if he went to the final or, or won the Stanley Cup? <laughs> yeah. He's not going to move, even though Barry Trotz did that. So I'll give it a 50-50 chance. And I think we're going to hear a coach within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I um, think you're right about that too. I think we're just, we're getting too down under the wire. I think they absolutely want to have the coach in place before the expansion draft, before the uh, entry draft. It just doesn't make sense to not have the coach on board before those big tentpole events. So, and John, I think you were really onto something with the Tom Dundon stuff there because we definitely saw this in the past, right? He's, I think we saw it with Don Waddell, like he was up for a raise and a, a new contract and they were just kind of like, well, you can take this. And if you don't want it, then we can find somebody else to do the job. <laughs> right. And that's the approach that he takes with these contract negotiations. There is no, no negotiation. It's just 
this is what I'm offering you and it's not that great, but there's a hundred people that are qualified and want to do this job. And so if you don't want it, then somebody else will take it. And he just sees it as like the people are interchangeable parts in his machine. And if they aren't willing to cost the price that he wants them to cost, then he finds a new part. So let's see what happens. I, I think it still feels to me like a long shot, even after what you said there. I just, I think there's a lot of factors that would keep him in Carolina, but you know, you make some good points. I think it's uh, it's possible. I've thought it was possible all along. It just makes too much sense, number one. And number two, it just like the fact that it's continued to drag out and we don't have a resolution to this situation. And now we're getting to the point where the Kraken need to hire a coach and he still is not under contract. That tells me that, yeah, it's it's still very much possibility. So, yeah. And I think that's why we can't completely dismiss it because it does seem like they're waiting for, for that particular situation to resolve itself, yeah. right? So, you know, normally I might just say no way, but you can't because it does seem like that's what's what's happening here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now it's time for a grown man to do a voice inflection (laughs) for a particular bit because it's time for Sound of Hockey's Three Stars. Right on. Andy, your star of the week. My star of the week is from the New York Islanders, mm-hmm. Semyon Varlamov, oh. the goaltender. Okay. So coming into the semifinals, he was, quote unquote, the bad goalie because you had Vasilevsky and Fleury and, and Carey Price, all pretty established elite goaltenders in this league. But Varlamov has, has got a 930 save percentage, just almost shut out the Tampa Bay Lightning in game one, uh, came, came within a goal of doing that at the end. And he's playing some really great hockey. He didn't even start the first series for for New York. He just he uh, uh, Sorokin did, but he's been lights out since, and he and he carried them a, a lot through that last series against Boston, and just playing some really good hockey. A little bit under the radar because of the other goaltenders that are still alive. Hey, do you want a hot take real quick? Give us a hot take. Semyon Varlamov. Varlam- Semyon Varlamov is exposed in the expansion draft. Ooh. All right. We're going to need to learn how to pronounce his name if he's going to be a Seattle Kraken. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I I wonder, like, has anybody ever brought up the point that it's helpful to have two goalies on your team? Like two legitimate goalies. Has anybody ever mentioned that before? Yeah, like uh, the Golden Knights, like uh, Montreal. Who else has two goalies on the team? Tampa, Tampa Bay. Well, they all have two goalies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know, no, but I like know two that. like legitimate goalies <laughs> that you're willing to like plug in if one guy falters a little bit. I don't know. Does that work in the playoffs though? Uh, it's hard to say, you know, I, I wonder. I look at all the teams that have won recently and I think they kind of just rode one goalie for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Varlamov was kind of the main goalie all year. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree hundred percent during the season though. You need to have a guy you can count on to play more than just every eighth game or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, John, your star of the week. Uh, my star of the week. I think he's a returning star of the week. It's Josh Bailey <laughs> oh, from hey. uh, Andy's New York Islanders. Real heavy Islanders podcast here today. Yeah, he's got five points in the last three games. Had two assists in game six against Boston, which was the uh, elimination game. And he's an outside candidate to be exposed as well. Um, I think I think Bailey would be a good fit uh, for the Seattle Kraken. Hmm. My star of the week is Shea Theodore uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights. I never heard of him. Yeah, I could yeah. not follow in your guys' footsteps and pick another Islander. So I went with <laughs> Shea Theodore. Uh, we are recording on Tuesday morning after game one of Golden Knights Canadiens. And Shea Theodore had a goal last night. He also had one of the cooler assists of the season where he went with a fake slap shot from the point and he sold it so well. Like, I feel like a fake slap shot is kind of hard to sell because it's like, 
you come down, it's like, okay, he's obviously faking it, right? Like, even mm-hmm. as a goalie, you can usually tell when somebody's faking a slap shot. And he sold it so hard, like, he slapped his stick on the ice as it came down. Carey Price bit, went down. He slid the puck to Alec Martinez, who just blasted it home into a wide-open net. And it was like, <laughs> damn, that was a great move by Shea Theodore. That was incredible. Yeah. Do, you, so, do you think he did that on purpose, or do you think he was going to take the shot? And then out of like the corner of his eye, he saw Mar- Martinez kind of flashing open over there. I would guess that it was fully on purpose, because there was no traffic in front. And I think Theodore yeah. was like, you know what? I can blast this, but Price is probably going to stop it because I'm 25 feet away. And... You know, and it's Carey Price, and he's out at the top of the crease. I have nothing to shoot at. Uh, so I think he knew what he was doing there, and it was, I mean, it was just perfect. What a, what a play by him. We should talk about these game ones just a little bit. The atmosphere in Vegas was kind of exactly what we thought it would be, but yet yeah. it, like, exceeded expectations, I think. They had some some new toys in the crowd. They had, like, everybody had these weird little glow stick things. The night helmet that they skate out of had laser beams shooting out of its freaking eyes, which was incredible. You know, I and we talked about this last week, how much of a factor this could be for a Canadian team like the Canadiens, Canada's team coming in to play in front of a crowd for the first time and like, holy crap, like that's what they skate into, you know? And it's hard to say like how much of a factor it really had. And frankly, Montreal looked really good at the beginning of the game, but mm-hmm. it's it's something to keep an eye on here moving forward. I do think it's gonna, gonna have an impact. First game, at least of that series, I, I thought was pretty fun. Um, and then, you know, Islanders, they they could be America's team here. The Islanders, <laughs> you know, people, people rag on the Islanders because they're boring and, and they don't play the, the most exciting up and down. I like how you say play, that but... every time you talk about the Islanders. Really, you're the only well, one ragging on the Islanders is boring. Yeah. Oh, oh no, I'm not. You go out there, the people are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm sure I'm, if I'm, you I'm search gonna... for it, you can find it. Yeah. Well, you guys, before before you let me finish, I was, I was going <laughs> to praise them. I actually like watching them play. I like the way they handle this. I like the way that they are tough to play against. And so I don't think they're boring. Well, it's a bit of a um, backhanded compliment, don't you think? To mention that they're boring every time before you no, say they're not I, boring. I said people say they're boring. Mm-hmm. I didn't say they were boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Words uh, matter. Words matter. But I, I really enjoy the way that they played. I, I think they're really hard to play against. When they scored that second goal in game one, I thought this is no, there's no way, even as good as Tampa is, because they're just going to suffocate them now. And they play hard. They they forecheck hard. Uh, they play good defense. I like the way that Trotz is, is doing that. He knows he doesn't have the most electric lineup, but he he's finding a way to win. And he, that's what that's your job, right? Do what you got to do to win. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I kind of grown to lo- love them this year how they're playing. After watching Game One of Montreal versus Vegas, what do you guys think Montreal's chances are in this thing? Um, better than I originally. I think they skated with them to some extent, but I do think Vegas is just going to pull away from this. So um, do you think your perception changed after game one? Uh, no, I think the game one kind of went exactly as everyone thought game one was going to go with the exception of Montreal coming out and looking hot at the beginning. Um, I mean, I think if they find a goal there early on, I think that it really changes the outcome of that game. And, you know, people have bet against Montreal through the first two series here and they have proved everybody wrong. So can they do it again or has has the luck kind of run out? I don't know. Um, It kind of depends on if they can find a game plan to really stop Vegas from scoring goals, you know. And right now (laughs) it looks like they haven't quite figured that out. Well, you have Carey Price playing really, really well and he's still, you know, I think he gave up four goals, right? So not his fault necessarily. So it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I think they, they need to kind of figure it out. I think the interesting thing about these series is that these teams haven't played each other this season. So there's kind of some mystery and some intrigue and you, you don't really know how they're going to match up against each other, but you can kind of guess. And sure enough, Vegas 
Vegas versus Montreal. I thought game one looked exactly like that. I don't know. I have a hard time saying that they don't have a chance because I, I kind of thought that in the first two series that they played. And now here we are in the, not the conference finals, but the semifinals. So let's see. I, I think they have like a 25% chance of winning this thing, but it feels All right. similar to the Brindamore situation. It feels a little bit like a long <laughs> shot to me. So anyway, hey, that wraps up our stars of the week. That was a bit of a long one. Let's move on to our weekly one-timers. Our first weekly one-timer. We talked briefly about Matty Beneers earlier in this episode. Owen Power, who is expected to go either number one or two in the draft. So if he goes number two, of course, he could be a Seattle Kraken. Uh, He is leaning towards returning to play for Michigan next season, uh, which is interesting because that would mean he obviously doesn't immediately turn pro. uh, So he would be going back to college for one more season. What are our thoughts on this, gentlemen? If you watch the interview, he he backed off that that a little bit by saying that it really depends on the team that drafts him and what they want. Mm-hmm. So he didn't close the door completely on that. Okay. Um, and it doesn't mean he wouldn't play for the team eventually. He could sign after his season at Michigan was over and then you know play the last whatever 10, 15 games in the NHL. We've seen that happen before. But it would be odd if he goes number one and doesn't immediately play. I can't remember the last time a number one pick didn't go straight to the NHL. So that, that would be kind of interesting to see. You know, this is obviously we're in a year of all new things happening, so it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. I certainly can't remember a player getting drafted overall number one and then going back to play college, right? Like I can't yeah. picture in my mind, and it doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but I can't picture somebody who has been drafted as the number one pick and is back playing college hockey. I don't think that's happened in my lifetime, at least. I don't know. Well, but if astute listeners to the Sound of Hockey podcast will remember when we had Chris Peters on the podcast back in December, mm-hmm. so World Junior Preview, and he mentioned the only person that's kind of ready for the NHL was Matty Beneers, mm-hmm. but he also kind of hyped up Owen Power. But do you remember Rasmus Dahlin was a number one overall, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would not put him in the elite category with the other defensemen kind of in his age group. Here's, here's a couple that stayed in college for an, at least an extra year. Charlie McAvoy. Okay. He's pretty good. Yeah. Zach Wierenski. Quinn Hughes. I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, Kale McCarr. Yes. Yeah. Kale McCarr. Yeah. You wanted me to say, yes, I've heard of him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And Adam Fox. Sure. But none of those guys are number one overall picks. No, but they were top five. They were top five. What's the difference? It's just a year. It's the year that's, you know, so there's no, you know, Austin Matthews or Jack Eichel or Connor McDavid in this draft. So, I mean, just because you're one doesn't mean you're kind of elite, elite, elite talent. So, I think I think there's a case to be made that he stays back. Actually, did Jack Eichel go back to BU? He might have been the. No, he did not. Okay. He did not. He he got drafted out of BU. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's it's just interesting. I think, and and you're right. Top five is. I mean, it's not that big of a difference between top five and number one overall. But there's there's just something about the perception there, right? Like you're the number one guy. You're ready for the NHL. Uh, if you go back to play college, I just find that interesting. I think it'll be cool to see. There's also a factor of these kids that played college hockey this past year didn't get the real college hockey experience, right? They didn't have fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there's probably desire to actually understand what it's like to play real college hockey. Um, I mean, they understood the level of play, but they didn't get the real college hockey season. So I, I get the desire to go back if you, you know, if you have that option. Our next weekly one timer. We've talked quite a bit about the Carolina Hurricanes on this episode. Uh, And speaking of them just saying, hey, you don't want what we're offering you, go play somewhere else. (laughs) Dougie Hamilton has been allowed to talk to other teams. What does this mean? 
This means uh, he can kind of negotiate a deal with another team, and then mm-hmm. Carolina can then trade him to that other team to kind of essentially it's a it enables him to sign an eight year contract because yeah. you can only sign an eight year contract with the team you're currently under contract with. Mm-hmm. So by trading, Carolina could trade him, and so this this means for one. Dougie Hamilton's not going back to Carolina, but uh, I don't think anybody should be surprised about that. And I've certainly referenced that in my forecasting of uh, expansion drafts. So that shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. But Kraken can can talk to him too. So that's kind of an interesting scenario. And maybe maybe they talk to him, sign this deal, and then they do the expansion draft and select Dougie Hamilton, sign him to an eight-year deal, boom, done. By the way, speaking of eight-year deals, uh, Pierre Lebrun had an interesting thing this week. And I don't think I realized this. Maybe I did. I don't know. But the Kraken are allowed to sign players to eight-year contracts, which I don't think we knew that. Did we? Yeah, we did. Okay. I mean, I don't I don't even know you why knew this that. is... I didn't rem- know that. Well, but why is this news? Because it's, it's basically, they're essentially on the Kraken when they're in the expansion draft. And so they, because of that, they can sign these eight-year deals. Mm-hmm. Um, new, you don't new. sign it before and then draft them because they're under contract for another team. Yeah. So it's news because LeBron didn't know it. Yeah. Or maybe it's yes. news to yeah. me because I <laughs> literally couldn't have cared less previously until it was pointed out to me <laughs> yeah. that they could sign eight year deals. And then I was like, Oh wow, that's, that's something I need to really think about that. And I had never thought about it before. Um, and now that I'm right. thinking about it, I'm like, you know what? I don't actually care that much about this. So I'm back. To, and and, back it, to and it doesn't mean that, the, and it doesn't mean they have to sign people that your deals. Yeah, that's, that's right. I don't think that's, that's right. required. I don't think that's a requirement for signings <laughs> that they have to go. And eight years. years is a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's for, right. uh, exactly. person with Ducky <laughs> Hamilton's age. So that's also concerning. That wraps up our weekly one timers. By the way, Dougie, if you're considering a move to uh, Seattle, we do have some good museums here. The Museum of Pop Culture, uh, the Mopop, as it's called, actually has a nice Disney exhibit coming up with, uh, yeah, they're going to show like the costumes and how the costumes are made. So um, just in case you want to check that out. Uh, Andy, your tweet of the week. That's how we're closing the show. Tweets of the week. Andy, your tweet of the week. My tweet of the week comes from the aforementioned best friend of the pod, Chris Peters. The BFOP. Yeah, And he's referencing the aforementioned Shea Theodore fake uh-huh. <laughs> in this tweet. So if you watch the game, Wayne Newton was there. They showed him. And he has he's had a lot of plastic surgery done. Mm-hmm. So Chris Peters has a picture of Wayne Newton, not from last night, but from just some press event. And he's looking pretty plastic Yep. And he tweets out, the only person in the building who didn't bite on the Theodore fake. There's no expression <laughs> on his face. <laughs> <laughs> so now, is, is Chris joking that... He didn't bite on the fake because it was like he's just too good of a fan and he can't be fooled. Like, do you think actually Wayne Newton was fooled by it, but his face just didn't move because it's exactly. made of rubber? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why he just no no expression didn't change, so it looked like he didn't didn't bite on it. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, my tweet of the week comes from at Mark P Dumont. It says, "We can't talk about the Vegas Montreal series without mentioning the trade that shook the hockey world." There were a lot of hot takes at the time, but I think both GMs would agree. It worked out for everyone when Schlemko was traded for a fifth round pick. <laughs> and I think he's actually that's referencing good. the Max Pacioretty deal um, yes. is kind of what he's alluding to there. But that's a pretty funny bit. Uh, John, your tweet of the week. I don't have uh, one. Oh, no. Okay. No. Oh, I, I, I'm just not. I haven't been impressed with tweets this week. Mm-hmm. Put wow. it that way. Yeah. Yeah, with a Twitter. What about my joke about, did you see the one where uh, nope, Brad nope. Marchand I, was I wearing a hat? Talking about. Didn't see it, it said L-Y-K on it. And I said, <laughs> that spells out lick, L-Y-K. You know what lick. I love? You know what I love about what just happened is 
to pull the curtain back a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, we discussed this prior to recording, and John John vetoed that tweet. And Darren <laughs> Darren got it in the show, anyways. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Darren Fun Brown. This wraps up Sound of Hockey episode 142. Uh, please do leave your five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you prefer to call it, and we will read it on the next show. Thank you again to What's Crack and Lacking for your five-star review. Subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify. We'll talk to you all next week for episode 143. Cheers. Joy and pain Picture show Second balcony Was the place we'd meet Second seat Gold Dutch treat You were sweet Dark as shame